space, space. Is there an echo in space? Uh, definitely no echo in space. Mm, I screwed that up. <laughs> yeah. The whole, there's no sound in space. You know, it's sort of a, actually a slogan to a certain space movies. Kind of a little bit of a twist on that. Oh, yeah. It's, it turns out I've never been to space. So. Me neither. <laughs> So what you're saying is you're not a mega billionaire? Well, did you see, by the way, this is unprompted, but uh, did you see that the FCC, like this week, changed their definition of an astronaut just so that Bezos and Branson aren't technically astronauts now, which is a thing I think they probably both wanted, and that made me so happy. I I was unaware of that, but um, but that, that feels appropriate. I did see there's some... Um, I don't know. I don't know how legit it is, but there's some kind of competition going on where people can submit their stories and actually get a chance to be a passenger on some space space cruise kind of thing. And it's like it's a contest, no money. Uh, I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but it sure seemed like a cool idea. We're getting the walk on. Yeah, I see that. Oh, and there's coffee coming. Well, this is fun. Our our listener and one-time guest, Jill, has joined us because I happen to be up in Canada again um, because I'm a dual citizen and I can, and it's beautiful up here. Uh, and Jill is going to give us a quick hot take on one of her favorite space movies. Jill, you got 30 seconds or so. Tell us something about a space movie you love. I'm going Star Trek IV um, because I'm not a Star Trek fan at all. Um, JT's making a funny face questioning whether or not it actually qualifies as a space movie or that it's good at all. That one. Never. True story. True story. I've never seen an episode of Star Trek. Um, no interest in the series at all, but love the whole humpback whale thing. So uh, who doesn't like humpback <laughs> whales in space? That's my pick. All right. So I think we can definitively agree that Star Trek IV The Voyage Home is the best space movie about humpback whales. Oh, good, good, good. So I got something. Um, I mean, there's a lot of competition for it, but uh, but I got this one. Nailed it's, it. It's the Shawshank. I am, I am both amazed that that's a pick and amazed that you knew the name of the movie off the cuff because when Jill said Star Trek IV, I blacked out. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, because the 80s, in, in the 80s, JT, Star Trek IV was a... I would almost say it's like a seminal film. It was like it transcended whether or not you were a Star Trek fan. The the movie, I can't believe you haven't seen it, actually. The movie was very well done. They get some signal from space and we're killing all the whales, so we got to stop killing the whales. And Spock goes swimming with the whales and determines that one of them is pregnant. It's almost like a jump the shark moment for Star Trek. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. It's You know how, we talk, how I keep explaining how ridiculous 80 mo- 80s movies are? This this is like as ridiculous as Star Trek is, as ridiculous as sci-fi is, and as ridiculous as the '80s is, all thrown into one fantabulous movie with great quotes. I want to see it now. JT says he'll see it. See ya. That was fun. Thank you, Jill. I I honestly don't remember what we were talking about. I think we were oh we were talking about um, space, going to space with those uh, with those guys. So as cool as that sounds, that sounds like something I would never, like you couldn't pay me enough to go into space with either of those guys or basically anyone who's not NASA. Okay, but JT, if just let's, what if we could fast forward to the future, your kids are out of college and living their best life. So you're fully empty nester, no dependencies, etc. Would you go to space then? Yeah, no, this isn't about being afraid to die. This is about like, I don't care. I, I like. I just oh. don't like. It's not like we're gonna go to the moon. It's like we're gonna crack above the atmosphere and then fall back into Earth. I've been forty thousand, forty five thousand feet before. I've seen most of what I need to see. I got to tell you, Ultra H four K, whatever, pretty good. Like the internet's pretty good. I feel like I've seen most of what I need to see from 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 here. Did you get to go and ride on a fighter fighter jet or something? Uh, I actually did once, but that's not how I got high, that high up. You you get forty thousand feet when you're up in like the seven seventy sevens, like going cross country. That's true. Yeah, but um, but you, so you've been up so so you also know like it. The world's really flat. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's so flat. It's so weird. It's amazing how there's no curves to it. Uh, what there is a curve to is this week's Shawshank. Maybe that was bad. I tried. I really wanted to find a way home, and it didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, how would we get from Curve to Shawshank? I don't, I don't really know. I don't know either. But 
But for those who don't know what we're about to do, The Shawshank was our first episode, the most rewatchable movie. We thought it was Shawshank and decided it just didn't even need worthy of conversation because it was so darn good. So now we have that for every category. So JT, do you have any picks for the ultimate space movie that needs no discussion? Uh, I, I do. Okay, so I have one as well. And I also have another sort of asterisk thing. Should I do my asterisk thing first or or should we go into our Shawshank and see, see play it how it lies? No, no, no. Let's get the asterisk thing out of the way because I have no idea what that means and I'm interested. So, JT, I, I decided to do something really different for this week's episode because it's a plethora of movies that I like that I talk about frequently. So I've banned from my selection not just all of the Star Wars franchise and not just all of the Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise but also the entire Star Trek franchise. I will talk about none of those three. I was actually going to put them all up as the Shawshank, as they've so redefined space movie storytelling, but instead they're just, I'm just not going to do them this week. I'm just skipping. Interesting. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead into my Shawshank then, because my Shawshank is Star Wars. Like accepted s- specifically Star Wars. The other ones, uh, again, um, as will we just talked about or will talk about later with someone. May include <laughs> uh, Star Trek. To me, didn't really like. I didn't think of that as a Shawshank because although there's, I know there's a lot of movies. I don't think of it as like defining. And so much of Marvel doesn't happen in space. Um, well, there are parts of it that that do. But remember, the way that we define this category is it needed to be predominantly in outer space which means it can't be a lot of earth and then some space scenes. It needs to be like space space. So for that, for for that reason, like only a couple of the MCU really makes sense. Whereas I think the vast majority don't. So I get, I totally get your point and I appreciate your opinion for my purposes. The thing with star Wars is individually, there are three, maybe four movies that would definitely be top 10 for me a couple that are definitely like squeaking into top five. So I was just like, I can't, I'm not like, we'll just do a star Wars episode someday where we rank our favorite star Wars movies and we'll handle it that way. I'm not going to have that here. Whereas MCU and star Trek, you know, they may or may not be on my list in different places because some of them I think are good. And some of them I actually don't think are good. Oh, the universe will agree with you on those those (laughs) statements. Yeah. So I have a different Shawshank. Um, All right. uh, So I'm starting my shtick with my Shawshank. Selection. Okay. How's my schmattering of uh, alliteration? That's <laughs> terrible. I think it's swell. It's sh- not doing that ever again. From 1979, with IMDb's 52nd ranked movie of all time. And the five words are resident of a foreign country. 1979? Yeah. Is this Alien? It is. Cool. Yeah. That's my Shawshank. I think just. Yeah, yeah. I would have put Star Wars if, if if I left Star Wars in, of course. But without it, this is my. It's just so so amazingly good, and the fact that it was made when it was, and the the, the effects hold up and everything. So that's my other one. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I actually have Alien somewhere in my list where I wasn't going to talk about it, also, um, because <laughs> I. It obviously belongs somewhere here. Uh, I just you know Star Wars for me was what I was going to go with, so I, I think this is good. I'm I'm. Excited. Now, JT, before we actually get into the list, how was making the list for you this week? Uh, challenging. As it turns out, I don't really like space movies. Or I guess that's not true. What I should say is I do like them. Uh, I haven't seen a tremendous amount of them. Because I think there's pro- – like I know for a fact that there's been at least four, maybe five, six really good entries in this genre in the past like 10 years. And I realized when making my list that I've seen literally none of them, like not one of them. It's funny you say that because I felt similarly. I haven't seen a lot of the more recent. There, there have been a lot of good space movies the past past decade or so, uh, or or at least you know ar- ar- around the spectrum of decent to decent to mediocre ratings. Um, but I had no struggle on on having a good base of titles. Um, for my, in fact, I'm very, very content to talk about some of these movies. I again tried as hard as I could to avoid too much repeat. So, you know, if you're if you're listening and you're expecting like the definitive 
perfect top five. Some of those uh, you'll hear come up later in our Pong or Fast Five section, uh, just because I, I want to talk about some different titles today. So there's a couple that truly do rank, but I, uh, I bumped them down just for today's discussion. Yeah, I wound up having to do the same thing, although I'm going to be honest. like my The list that I have, including my Fast Five, is basically my whole list. Because any space movie that was made prior to like 1994, I probably haven't really seen it. Like with a couple, with a very few exceptions of like, you know, absolute classics. Uh, but for the most part, I, it's just not a thing. I, I will say that there's a couple repeats, but there are repeats that I either haven't talked about the movie itself before, or it was a very long time ago. Like we're talking like first 10, 15 episodes. But that said, uh, I go first this week, correct, Jer? Mm, I don't believe so. No, I have no idea what's happening. Uh, I believe I go first. My oh, friend. cool! Then you go first. There you go. You know, you had to do it last week, so I'll, I'll take I'll take the first. Uh, let's start. Uh, I, by the way, I, I have five predictions for you. Or do I have five for you or three? No, I have three for you. Uh, the thing, movies that I think you will pick that I won't, and then I have actually several in in the list. That I believe we will overlap. Okay. I'm going to start with one that I'm fairly confident in the overlap. 2008. Yep. IMDb's 61st ranked movie of all time. Yep. Uh, Fred Willard and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so my clue here, which you obviously don't need, but the five words are, it's a brick minus letter. Oh, that's very clever. So I see what you're doing today with five words. That's fun. Uh, yeah. So mine were the quietest 22 minutes, and this is Wally. This is definitely Wally. I assume you're referring to the first, that's the first uh, 22 minutes of the movie. Yep. 22 minutes of this, the first 22 minutes of this movie, there is no dialogue. What, and when the, what I can't remember. It's the one thing I was trying to recreate the movie in my head a little bit. What is the first time that there is dialogue? Is it, is it set in the future? Is it the, the, the spaceship people? Is that? Well, the, the first dialogue is between Wally and Eva, which doesn't happen until, 22 minutes and that's when she like, uh, lands on the planet the first human dialogue doesn't start until 39 minutes that's crazy yeah it's wild so this movie's awesome yeah. i think we can all agree it's it's absolutely i don't know what category we would make but if you ever want the category of like best developed characters who don't talk yeah here we go that, that was actually my note before you brought your yours in there it's like the ability to have I mean, you can't watch this movie and not have the feels when when Wally has his, his shutdown and et cetera, and Eve's reaction and and I mean, just the eyebrow, like whatever the digital eyebrows effect, you know, it's so so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, this movie is a masterpiece, and and I think that like uh, aside from my love of Pixar, which is well documented at this point, but like genuinely, there's nothing that you can, should, or would want to change about this movie. Uh, I think it's flawless. Like, I like genuinely. I think frame for frame. Like, I don't think there's anything about this movie that I would do differently. And when you think about the idea that there are kids who are under six, who are under ten, that sat through 22 minutes of no talking and were enthralled, this right. movie is so special. Wally is so so special, and it has the benefit of having all these beautiful undertones of environmentalism and taking care of each other and just, I don't know, it's and health, like genu genuine health, because how many times as an adult do you make a reference to all the people who are in their space chairs just drinking, you know, Coca-Cola or whatever and Wally, like it happens, you know, occasionally because it's like eventually we'll all just be the people from Wally anyway, like that kind of thing, like to have that much impact and to have that much of a cultural statement in a kid's movie with almost no dialogue is, I think, beyond impressive fully agree that I, I watched i mean that movie is such a harbinger kind of movie harbinger mm. harbinger i don't know <laughs> it's one of those words i read a lot but i don't often say <laughs> you don't come here for the vocabulary lessons folks so <laughs> i think wally's really well done i think also it plays the it plays the lack of a of true antagonist in a nice way like yeah you know, the fact that it's the computer's programmed to do its thing. And sure, there's the, the little scuffle and et cetera near the end. You have to have it. But it's done in a way that that you almost can see how it, maybe the, the message here is like the, the, the path of good intentions or whatever, right? Because yeah. there's a lot going on. I, by the way, not only the commentary on just sitting around and eating and drinking all day, but also the commentary on just 
doing nothing but looking at the screen all the time. And the fact that this movie came out before all that was actually happening. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure you could do Wally like through cuts of re- real life on Earth today. You could just be like, splice it all in, and there you go. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it is. And I, I, it's terrifying. But, but glimmers of hope. Yeah. Glimmers of hope. Yeah. A hope. Uh, yeah. Wally's great choice. So wait, so this was in your top five also? So this was what I was going to lead off with Wally because it's, it's, I think it's my most obvious pick by a long shot. So yeah, Wally is. So it's back to you, bud. We're, we're sharing right. this one for sure. I don't think the rest of my top five will have overlap because I think other movies that we have in common will appear later. That's my hunch. Okay. So we'll see. But but if I am wrong, here's the next one that I, I'd have these in order of believing that we you and I have overlap. Okay. We'll go to 2009. Okay. Cast includes Benedict Wong, who is in a, a large number of these movies, by the way, especially if I included MCU. Benedict Wong, just he loves him some space movies. Love it. And uh, Kevin Spacey. Ooh. No comment. And your five words are blue, new, super, blood, harvest. Wow, that's a lot of words. No, it's not. It's five. Um, blue, new, something, blood, harvest. <laughs> blue, yeah. new, super, blood, harvest. Blue, new, super, blood, harvest. I have no idea what this is. Uh, all five of those words precede the one word title of this movie. Blue moon. That's the one. Moon? Yeah. Never seen it. Oh, you know which one I'm talking about, though? Vaguely familiar. Sam Rockwell. Love Sam Rockwell. I know you love Sam Rockwell. Love him. So this movie, you know, now I will do this much less spoilerish. Um, so this movie is basically just a Sam Rockwell vehicle in which he gets to have a little bit of fun going a little bit crazy on the oh, movie. I'm totally in. So, it, like, what else do I need to say for you to watch this movie? <laughs> Nothing. Like, Sam Rockwell going crazy in space. That's that should have been your five words. <laughs> there you go. And 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 to be fair, to be fair, I'm overplaying the crazy bit. That's just sort of a side of the storyline. But it's a wonderfully shot movie. Uh, it is Sam Rockwell, Rockwell alone on a lunar stage. I mean, that's the preview of the movies. He's alone on some lunar base doing. Can't really remember moving stuff from one pile to another pile. <laughs> that's that's that tends to be what people are doing on moons. <laughs> Digging things, putting them in a thing, and then sending those things to another place. Yep. Um, mining for a thing, getting ready to blow up a thing, maybe growing a thing. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of things. But either way, they're moving moving them things using like canisters and equipment and whatnot. He does have conversations with people, and that's where where Benedict and Kevin Spacey come in. But it's I think I think this is one of his finest performances, and as a movie, it's so well paced. By the way, it's got this really nice slow build, but it's not it's not slow. It's obviously not slow like in a in the wrong kind of way. It's just building up its, its tension and its energy and getting you really into his character. Um, I think it's flown under the radar for a lot of people. I'm not. I don't think it was. I think it was basically like an indie movie, but it shouldn't be. It's wonderful. Well, that definitely tracks with Sam Rockwell. Um, I, yeah, I haven't. So again, this is one of those things. So uh, I, I assume great pick. I'm glad you picked it just because it's fun when we have stuff that we didn't know or that I didn't know. <laughs> um, this is one of those ones where I did, after I put my list together, I did one quick scrolling of, I think I found like a 50 best space movies. And if I told you that I saw maybe 13 of them and a lot of them, I was like, yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. So I don't know if this is a genre. It's not a genre that I feel like I actively avoid, but it's clearly a genre I don't actively gravitate to. No pun intended. So, Oh, you intended that pun, JT. <laughs> it really didn't. It was just happening. And then I just decided to go with it. Uh, all right. Great pick. Um, I will go with my first entry of my own, uh, which is April 29th of 2005. I'm going to go with Yaslin Bay and Sam Rockwell. Uh, I know it from the cast, but this is uh, this is the Hitchhiker's movie. Yeah, yeah, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So my my big clue to you, we're going to be Hobbit and Snape in space. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Um, so are you a Hitchhiker's guy or no? 
I, I'm a Hitchhiker's guy to the point where I didn't really like the movie. Oh, see, okay. So Hitchhikers was introduced to me via the film. Right. And so other people. Yeah. I mean, look, in 2005, you know, for some reason, I mean, Hitchhikers, I have, I have since read and can imagine, like I can, I can hundred percent understand why you would walk into it and go, nah, not for me, but it was the introduction to me. And I thought Freeman was great. And I, Stephen, I mean, everybody in this was so good uh, that it was kind of hard not to just sort of love. Um, I also love the Apple fanboy stuff in this movie is like really fun. Do you know the, yeah. the trivia about Stephen Fry and Douglas Adam that those guys like collectively had two of the first Apple Macintosh computers delivered in the UK? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So like I think uh, Adams had the first one and then I think Fry had like the third one. And so when they all like they're such big Mac homers. So that's why there's like all these little Apple things throughout Hitchhikers in the actual ah. movie itself, which is good. Douglas Adams being the guy who wrote the screenplay. Um, yeah, I just, I love Hitchhikers Guide, man. Like, this is a movie that I like. It makes me laugh. It's not too serious, obviously. Um, it has, like, twinges of Fifth Element for me. Like, there's there's, right. there's things that overlap in these two things of, like, who the characters are and how they interact with each other and sort of the fun they take with space. Uh, there is also like some, you know, obviously more serious undertones and stuff. Uh, there's also as a car nerd, this is like one of my favorite things that <laughs> I didn't have to look this up, but there's a Ford Perfect or, or Prefect rather in, in this movie, which is like a, a Ford car that was made exclusively outside of the US, which back in the 30s and 60s, like somewhere in that range is when that car existed, is weird because Ford was here. So like right. the fact that that's in this movie and the prefect is how he got his name always made me laugh because I'm like, it's like a dope car. That's like really hard to find. Uh, nice. But yeah, otherwise like this was one where I was like, I don't know if I couldn't remember if you loved or hated this movie. We haven't talked about it. Like this is not a thing we've talked about on the podcast to the best of my memory. No, no, you're right. We have not. I, I think what I should really do is actually rewatch this movie. So my quick story on this is I would, uh, I can't say I'm a huge Hitchhikers fan, but I've read the read the whole series multiple times. Um, I've listened to part of the original British radio version, which is yeah. really worth listening to, even if you just put it on for like half an hour. As if it was, you know, just instead of a podcast, one day, just give that a shot. And I also loved the '80s TV series, the BBC made a six episode limited, uh, whatever special back in the '80s, which again. It's really worth watching. It's so incredibly campy. It's ridiculous. So the point of all that, and, and I had played the, uh, are you familiar with the company that was called Infocom? Does that sound familiar to you? Sounds familiar, the, but it's not video like. Game, video game called Zork. That ever cross your No. Paths? So back in, the, back in the day, there were these text adventure video games where it was all just text. There were no pictures. You'd have a, a, a sentence would show up. You have to respond in some way. And there was a Hitchhiker's Guide video game that was basically impossible. <laughs> and, and what's interesting, and that now including this movie, is Douglas Adams had, a, had his hand in everything. Nothing has happened in the Hitchhiker's world that Douglas Adams himself did not sign off on. He wrote most of this screenplay. So when I saw the movie, which is a, a strong deviation from the book, I was like, Ugh, come on, the book story is so good. Why do you have to do this? It's almost like the antithesis of what they did with Lord of the Rings. Now what I should do, especially since it's like 20 or so years later, is give it a rewatch without the context of the the, the the original source material and look at it as, like if they had called this, you know, Douglas Adams' movie interpretation of the original story, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, with lots of new events and, and characters, I'd have been like, oh, cool, I'll watch that. Right. So maybe I'll put that hat on and go give it a rewatch because I'm sure it is far better than I give it credit for. So I watched it again in the past like five years, maybe, and enjoyed it almost as much as I remember enjoying it the first couple times I saw it. Like it was just it's just a romp. Like it's just such a romp. Um, also, there is one piece of trivia about Douglas Adams that made me laugh really hard. Um, so Slart But Fast is like rude but there's a whole story of he has a list of 60 names that he kept putting in to the bbc to see which one he could get that sounded dirty and sounded bad past the bbc ratings committee nice. like he started with fart fuck blorts which was <laughs> and he said that he just kept working his way back from that until he got to a place where they like signed off on it 
And honestly, the only reason I bring that up is like that kind of thought process exemplifies this entire movie as far as I'm concerned. Right. Absolutely. Which is like start from the most absurd and then bring it down to just just to the level of like, all right, I guess I'll I guess I could like I guess I can relinquish my all of my like actual brain and go, sure, I'll allow this to be a thing. And that's basically what this movie is for the entire runtime. I think that that's spot on. I think actually if you didn't have works like Douglas Adams, you wouldn't have shows like Rick and Morty where Douglas Adams was probably the first writer about sci-fi to be like, I'm going to name a character Slarter Bart Fest. Cause yeah. it's, it's like the glip glops and the, all the stuff that, that they're doing on Rick and Morty. Now, I think this is definitely the source material for all that. Yeah. I think it's the first, like this movie, the reason I think I like it so much, and I think you see it permeate through the MCU and stuff too, which is like, it's okay to have fun with aliens. Like they don't always have to be, you know what I mean? Like, Right. Outer space doesn't have to be like this crazy frontier or a galaxy far. It can just be like absurd. Like it can right. just be like not that much more interesting than here. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. All right. Uh, so the next one that I think we still have a shot at having together, but I, I recall us talking. This is this is a repeat for me, and I don't recall you liking it as much as I do. So we'll see. 1995. Okay. Gary Sinise and Xander Berkeley. Ooh. And... A very unlucky Greek god. Oh, yeah. So this is Apollo 13. Correct. Okay. So I just want to say one thing and then I want you to talk. So I have this in my pong (laughs) and I'm excited. I knew that you would have this and it's good. Here's my thing with Apollo 13. I don't remember it. So it's not that I do or don't like it. I remember liking it, but I haven't seen it. Like this is a movie I think I've seen exactly once, maybe twice. So this would be, I'm starting to use your age a lot more in this. So this would be 10-year-old JT. And I would assume to a 10-year-old, it was interesting, but not like captivating. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't like, oh, how cool the 60s looked. And oh my gosh, Tom Hanks is amazing. It was like science so space nerdy movie. My five words are uh, a history lesson with big. Nice. Yeah. Because I mean, that's basically what this movie was. I was like, oh, Forrest Gump's in space. Like, I just don't, like, I think Forrest Gump was after. But, yeah, I just, I, I, again, I remember this movie being a big deal. I remember people absolutely loving it. I remember the fanfare. I remember it, like, reignited the the, the interest in NASA. I remember all that happening. I just didn't care. I was like, you guys want to watch <laughs> X-Men? Like, I just didn't care. It's interesting because my my movie of that, which does not, I will openly disclose, does not make any of the cut for today. Actually, I felt it didn't qualify. Was the right stuff? The right stuff was probably cool, but the only fun thing is watching all the spaceships explode. Right. Movie. Yeah, and that movie but, also happens predominantly on Earth, though, doesn't it? it it's all on Earth. Yeah. yeah. So that 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 was the primary reason for not to get get in. But also, I just remember as a kid, it was kind of boring, and I too have not come back since. Though I definitely, it's actually back on my on one of my watch lists somewhere because I want to see what adult adult Jeremy definitely doesn't isn't going to watch it for the spaceships exploding montage. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Apollo thirteen is. So I mean, it's a great movie. I know I've talked about it before, so I won't go too deep on it. But the. The, the coolest thing about the whole story is they actually cut the script to remove more bad things that it actually happened to the our intrepid uh, astronauts here. So more things went wrong. And while putting the script together, Ron Howard and the, and the screenwriters felt it was it, it felt implausible, which I think is really an interesting take is to, to realize like you've gone too far on what could go wrong because that actually is one of my takes on a lot of movies. It's there's another space movie. I'm curious if it made it to your list, but I, I, I don't like it because I felt it, it leaned f- too far into too many things going wrong. Uh, the relationship between the cast is great. Watching Hanks with Bill Paxton, one of his, one of my favorite of his roles, seeing the, the, the relationship with uh, Hanks and Gary Sinise again is great. Um, also, the reactions back on Earth, I think they do a nice job capturing. I think it's hard to really recapture what it must have been like in the 60s to watch the space race. You know, when I'm a kid, I remember the first space shuttle going up and going to space wasn't actually it wasn't until 86 in the Challenger explosion. But but it was already sort of, yeah, we can go to space whenever we want. Right. Like we can just right. do that, you know, and. 
So I think they did a nice job hitting this at so many different elements. And it does have, if, if we were doing just individual favorite scenes in movies, what I have to assume would make my at least top 50, if not top 20. There's that scene where they, where the one NASA dude dumps out a bunch of stuff on the table to all the other engineers. It's like, this is what they got. We got to build them a filter, get to work kind yeah. of thing. And that is one of my, and, and that's actually what happened by the way. And I love that bit so much. I reference it in a lot of the product work I do. So, uh, so anyhow, I wanted to push it off my top five because I top four, talked about it before, but I just, I think I just like this movie too much. I did show it to the kids at age 12 and up and they were into it more than I thought they'd be. Uh, it was not as action packed as I recall. So, you know, probably a little better than your reaction, but not, not where I was hoping to get it. So that's Apollo 13 for me, buddy. Yeah, I, I know that you have admiration for this movie, and I have heard you in our professional life uh, talk about that scene before. Like, that's a thing yeah. that has come up when you and I have talked. And it's like, it's a, that that part lives in my head now because it lives in your head, even though I have no memory of that scene, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, cool for, for you, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I, this is a movie I, I do want to watch again, like, because I want to watch it now with an eye towards, like, the film itself. And the last time you brought this up, you, you mentioned that, like, the real life thing was too absurd for film, which right. is amazing. Like that's the, the story behind this is amazing. The acting is obviously amazing. I want to see it. I do want to see it. And it did, it made my list, even though I have very little memory of it, it made contender pong, not fast five for me because of how good I know it is. I just don't remember. I just wasn't in a place to be like enjoying it the way I probably should have. Fair enough. Next up. All right. The rest of my list is going to be total. I'm, it's like, it's almost fan service to be honest, but that's fine. Uh, August 1st, 2014. I, I don't know. I can't give you anybody. Uh, Lee Pace and Michael Rooker. Oh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's gotta be Guardians 1. Yeah, this is Guardians 1. Uh, so my five words were throwback, soundtrack, amazing star. Being mm. a little bit of a clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See what happened there? Uh, so... Here's the deal. I didn't remove the MCU because I went through the entire MCU and decided how many I could categorize as actually being truly outer space movies. And the answer was only like four. And of of those four, I think this one's the best one. And then there's one other one that honestly I probably could have put above this because I like it more. But we've just had a reason to talk about some of these movies more recently. And Guardians, right. I've actually never talked about Guardians. The only time I talked about Guardians was the soundtrack. So uh -huh. it's, it's never made a top five list of mine for the movie. So um, this movie's amazing. And like the first one was so exciting. And I, I really still, of all of the, the MCU, this movie's very high on my rewatchability of like, a, if it's on, should you sit down and watch the rest of Guardians? The answer is like, usually yes. Like I oh, definitively, definitively. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like even the holes in this movie of which there definitely are some, um, they're pretty forgivable. And they're also like, eh, who cares? Because it's just like Andy Dwyer in space. Like it's just Chris Pratt. And it's like, he's still in this particular movie, even more so than I think in the second one, any of the Avengers stuff, he was still like firmly in funny guy, Chris Pratt territory. So, like, you know, very famously when he drops the orb, that was, like, not intentional. And, like, the way he reacted to it, that's just him still being in Funny Guy Chris Pratt. Like, there's very little movie star in him yet. Right. So he's, like, through the whole movie, I almost feel like he's so excited to be there that it, like, kind of comes through in the performance, <laughs> which is, like, really fun. It's also a really good story. It's also really well acted. Um, I have such a soft spot for anything Zoe Saldana does. Any movie she's in, I just, I, I think she's the absolute best. And this movie was just like such a good time. Uh, I think that the interesting stuff that I found out, I thought Dave Bautista was really good in this. And I love that it kind of launched him into a weird acting career that he now has. Um, there's a really sweet story about that. He like absolutely broke down in tears when he got this movie. And then wow. within hours uh, had set up uh, acting class because he was like, I need to like really do this. Like I need to do this justice. I can't just go be big and strong. Uh, and then the other fun thing I learned about this and trying to look into it is Chris Pratt uh, told Howard Stern that for voicing Rocket in just this movie, he was paid more than Silver Linings Playbook and The Hangover combined. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So, so if you didn't understand just how powerful 
the MCU is, uh, there's your answer. There's also wild stuff about like how many times Vin Diesel had to record I Am Groot and the fact that he did it in like seven languages himself. Like he did it in French and Russian and Uzbeki and like a bunch of other weird stuff. Isn't it something like 1,500 times or something like that? Like an insanely high number, I, I, like 150. No, like. no, I don't have the number written down, but it was in the 1,000. I think it was like 1,000 plus times. Like he, he, he estimated that he did it at least 1,000 times. It's also crazy. That whole Vin Diesel thing in this is really interesting to me because he's like been interviewed and has talked openly about how this movie brought him back because he was still having a really hard time with the Paul Walker loss and like he hadn't really been around people for a long time. And he talks about it as though that he has this like insane interaction. Like, dude, you said three words a lot. I don't want to take away from like how powerful it is. But the idea that as an actor, he connected so hard with Groot, who is like this safe space, like very, very organic creature. I don't know. There's something really sweet about it. Like, I think it makes me like Vin Diesel more. um, I agree. Because it's all about family. It's weird. It's weird, actually. Like his his run on some voices, like this role and Iron Giant. Yeah, it's just kind of an atypical setup there. Uh, I agree with you on this movie. By the way, I think this is infinitely rewatchable. It's probably it might be a top three rewatchable from a like. Although you got to skip the first eight minutes, it's just too heavy. I'm sorry. Like it's the right setup of how he loses his mom, but. On rewatch, I'm like, I'll just start with him being sucked up into space. Right. Roll credits. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't need to cry at the beginning of my my MCU movies. Uh, I think for me, this movie. By the way, agreed with all of it. The the scene where they have to like break out of the prison, and you know, Rocket gives him all the instruction what to get, and then the he didn't need the leg, and now yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of ruined. Groot does the Leroy Jenkins move. <laughs> You know, it's so well done. <laughs> I also think this movie is probably the one where everybody, I think this was the last risky movie for Marvel to make, right? This was their first foray into space. Yep. Before this one, you had nothing happening in space. Uh, Guardians wasn't really that popular comic book until yep. the movies happened. Like nobody knew these characters, nobody, right? Uh, and so... To pull it off and turn them into iconic characters, and probably a lot of people's favorite characters of the MCU would be in this in this batch of hooligans. Uh, also, by the way, phenomenal cast in this movie. Mm, so good. So great pick, buddy. Thanks. Uh, this would have been the one I would have picked had I picked one. <laughs> but having not picked one, I shall move on. Last one that I, I think would probably be in your palm, just going on a hunch, but maybe not. I don't know. 1987, starring Bill Pullman and Joan Rivers. Mm. And your five words today are, and this is just channeling this movie and other movies like it, so that's your that's your earlier clue, what a male rocket ship has. All right, is this Spaceballs? Yes. Yeah, so this is in Pong for me, and my five words were best mock franchise film ever. Um, for sure. And I think that's probably true. And I sort of, I had this in my top five and removed it because I was like, I feel like Jeremy's going to do it more justice than I can. And so the floor is yours. But, but this is a wheelhouse movie for you. Like, cause we, cause I, your eighties movie comedies, like you've, you've got some of them that you love and some of you've like never seen. So this, this is in your oh, pantheon. Sp- yeah. Spaceballs is like, I've seen this movie Tens of twenties of time. Like I've seen this movie, like my, my sister and I quote this movie quite a lot. The Schwartz is a thing that gets mentioned a lot in my house. Uh, I think this is a high, this is one of those movies that I, I would be willing, if we were to do a most quotable movies list, I would forget to put it in. And then, then you would say it. And I'd be like, Oh my goodness, because it is so insanely quotable. The Druish princess, like yep. they're, they're going from suck to blow. There's so <laughs> many quotes in this movie that's out of context um <laughs> i think it, it you're right it's probably the best spoof it might be it might be the best spoof movie i don't know hot shots is pretty out there too but it's so well done and then the fact that they do the space stuff in a fun way it's sort of what you were getting at earlier is they they don't take themselves too seriously they know they're in this you know, ridiculous land, but at the same time, it's a space movie. You know, it's 
it's not fully farcical, right? Like it's, it's well done. Yeah. I, I like the, listen, the luggage combination, there's just so many parts of this that like are, are just part of like my vernacular. And I remember the thing that is great about it is I saw this as a, as a kid. Like I wasn't three when I saw or two when I saw it, I saw it later, but like I used to watch this with my mom who is just a, a, a huge Mel Brooks fan. And it's just, it's absurd. Like it's an absurd movie, but to your, to your point, it's not so absurd that you're like, oh, it's just comp. Like this is like a, a sketch. It's not like there's right. a story. There's a through line. The characters make sense in the context with which you're provided. <laughs> like it's like, all right, like this is like a thought out ridiculous movie and it's ridiculous, but it's hysterical. It's hysterical. It's also Rick Moranis in one of his. Oh. absolute. We all know we all love Rick. Uh, and we need more Rick, but I think this might be my, this or uh, my blue heaven is probably my favorite place for him, even more than Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Um, John Candy's great. I mean, there's 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 infinite good things to talk about this movie. The only person who doesn't really go too far after this is uh, Daphne Zunega. Zuega. Oh, I'm gonna trust you on the name. I have no idea. She was sort of becoming a thing. Um, she was looking to be almost like a Parker Posey is today. Oh, okay. And I don't, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think to go check check out what happened to her. But anyhow, I uh, love the Spaceballs. I think it's probably the only Mel Brooks movie that is that that is still fully context aware. Like I think you can show Blazing Saddles to anyone, but a lot of people aren't going to get why they shouldn't Ugh. be offended by it. Yeah. Well, again, I, I go into that that area of there's act, it, you know, the bad guys lose. Therefore you shouldn't be offended by this movie kind of thing. Right. But, um, but it's still, it, you know, it needs a disclaimer of some sort. Whereas Spaceballs, as you said, it just, it holds up it's pure comedy. You barely even have to know star Wars for Spaceballs to be funny. Well, that's, that's what, that's the true genius of, of this. I think is that if you do know star Wars, it's, it's infinitely funnier, but if you don't know star Wars and you come in cold, Spaceballs is still hilarious. Agreed. Right. And like that's that's the reason I think it's the best mocked franchise film ever, because a lot of the other stuff, like if you didn't, obviously all the scary movies are ridiculous and whatever. But like, you know, all of those like sort of like parody things or whatever, even Hot Shots, like if you don't know the original, a lot of it's not funny. If you know the right. original, it's real funny, but you could miss stuff. If you just watch Spaceballs, it's just hysterical. Right. Right. Yeah. Well said. So good. All right, back to you, sir. All right, uh, my next one, uh, we're going to stay right in the realm of uh, obvious and also, <laughs> well, whatever. May 8th, 2009. Um, let's stick with Zoe Saldana again. And Chris Hemsworth. Of 2009? Yeah. So I'm assuming, oh, oh no, sorry. You almost got me there. That's uh, that's the Star Trek reboot by J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I was trying to get was, the Hemsworth because he's only in it for like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, so I watched that with the boys this week. So it's very fresh. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. We were watching it. And we're like, that's Liam, right? And then only at the very, because it's it's baby Chris, right? Yeah, baby Chris. And only when the credits were like, oh my gosh, that was Chris. Like, yeah, didn't, didn't realize that. Yeah, because yeah. he, he was missing about 80 pounds of muscle in this particular role in comparison <laughs> right. to what he looks like now. Now it it's looks like a normal person. Yeah. Now it looks like he, he swallowed somebody. Right. <laughs> they're they're a normally extremely attractive man now, until he transitioned to full Adonis. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now he's, he's just like, he's a statue. Uh, so here's the thing. And you and I actually did talk about this. And so I don't want to steal any of your thunder from our conversation off the pod. However, um, Dude, Star Trek was brilliant. This movie's brilliant. Yeah. I, I've seen it a couple of times. The sequel, meh. This one, really, really tight. Like, just a really tight story. And, and, like, this is Abrams, I think, at, like, Apex Abrams. Like, this is everything that I want him to do. And I feel like he was executing on, like, just firing on all cylinders in this particular one. His execution level in character development and chaos in the way that like just the, the conflict in this movie, I thought was really, really well done, both internal and external conflict. Like it's just, it's all palpable. And the, the man, the beat to this movie is so strong. Like they're, the pace in this is raucous. Like it, yep. it never really lets up and it still pays off, which a lot of the time when you do like build to that crescendo, if you do it for the amount of time this movie runs, eventually you just get tired and you're like, Oh God, make it stop. 
And I remember that like, I've seen this movie a few times and every single time I'm like, no, this delivers. Like it delivers all the way through. Um, I love Simon Pegg like so much. And I love the story of Simon Pegg not getting, not auditioning. Abrams emailed him. Do you want to be Scotty? Like that's the whole story. And Pegg obviously would have done this for free. (laughs) He's a nerd. Um, I like the whole Chris Prime talking to William Shatner thing and trying to get like, you know, his, his opinion and make sure that he was cool with it and that Shatner like gave him his approval. Um, I like that I wasn't a Star Trek kid, so it wasn't, they couldn't have messed this up. Like if they, if they got the backstory wrong, I would have been like, I don't care, whatever, it's fine. And yet the people in my life who are Star Trek people are very much fans of this and they feel like it did great service to the franchise, which is great. And I also think that it's a really fun movie. Like I think you can drop anybody in this with no awareness of Star Trek or even desire for sci-fi stuff. And I think the personal relationships that are developed, if you can see past the alien thing, if that's a thing you have a hard time with, um, there's so much interpersonal and growth in this story that I think it's like, it stands alone just as like a really good movie that happens to be, I might go on a limb and say Abrams best work when it comes to just the Abrams things, like all the fights and the scenes and the stars, like all the stuff that he does galaxy wise in this is pretty impressive. Agreed. I think, I actually think it is Abrams best work. So, you know, I'm sure that's a controversial perspective, but I think it's the best movie he's made. Uh, I think, it holds up, as you're saying, to new audiences, to old audiences. There's a great take on it by the guys. That, I don't know if you ever watched the Half in the Bag um, uh, YouTube series. They, you know, I can't, I can't always tell if I like or don't like their stuff, but I think they're very. They remind me of us in a different way, in the sense of they just plain love good movies and want all movies to be good movies. Uh, they do an interesting analysis though that shows what the biggest transition from the old Star Trek to the new and that the old Star Trek was a very science driven um, show. So what they illustrate, which I think was, which I never knew before is that in old Star Trek, if you got onto the, uh, to the elevator, I can't remember what they're called, the, the elevator system, it had a speed that was known. And so however long they were in the elevator, it was accurate. So if they were going from the bridge to the engine room, it took as long as that would have taken. Whereas in the Star Trek movie, you walk in the elevator and you walk out of the elevator and you're exactly where you want to be. Right. And they're, they're, they kind of had issues with it and talked about it, but it was still fun, et cetera. I look at it in a different lens, which is that that is the transition from basically a science-based franchise to a sci-fi action series, which yep. is what JJ did with it. And I think it's fine, right? And I think you could have a whole other series of Star Trek movies that go back to a bit more old school way of thinking, whatever. But I think he he... I'm surprised actually that the franchise did not keep going on the path it was because while the sequels weren't as good, they were still a lot of fun. They, 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 you know, Idris Elba in the third one was, was great. Uh, this movie had one hinky moment for me, which really bothers me would, would that would probably be in that top five hinky moments episode, which is when they throw Kirk out into the, into space. And he just happens to be on the exact planet. Yeah. that old Spock is on. And not only that, just happened to land within walking range of where Spock lived. Right. You know, again, in the, you probably could have found a way to make that a little tighter and, and not make me scratch my head. Yeah. But if that's the worst we got, I'll, I'll take it because it's otherwise just a fun film. Yeah, uh, this is very well said. And I think you brought up something that, that is very hinky. And in hearing you talk, it just sort of made me think that like both the sequels are actually very good. They just suffer from how good this one was. Yeah, and they and they have just too many little things. Like if you're going to invent a thing that lets you literally teleport anywhere across the universe, then that now exists. And it's sort of like making Neo fly. Once you've written that, Right, you you know you can't unwrite that. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, I'm not going to forget that he flew once. I'm not going to forget you can go anywhere. So this could we could solve this movie in under six minutes if you give me a give me a track. Yeah, <laughs> it's because that is basically what would solve the plot of movie number three. Well, just teleport that guy over there. We're all done. Problem solved. All, all good. All yep. good. He's gone. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, going back a little more in time, I realized these were in descending chronological order unintentionally. 1980. Starring Max von Sydow Ooh. and Timothy Dalton. Love, love. I have no idea what you're talking about. Barry Allen's favorite dry gin. Barry Allen's favorite 
dry gin. So now I'm just trying to think of good dry gins. <laughs> do, do you know who Barry Allen is? Barry Allen's the Flash, right? Okay. Oh, um, Gordon. Wait, Flash, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. That's a movie, JT. Never seen this. No, I know you haven't. There was no way you had seen it. I mean, this, this this was filed under the... There's a chance JT's mom showed him this because she was probably at some level a fan. This is your absolute peak camp movie. I I, I think if this was a, there was a campiest movie ever made, I, I'm, I'm struggling in real time to think of something better. Uh, if someone's listening and, and instantly knows a more campy movie than 1980s Flash Gordon, please let me know. So... JT, this could have been one of those I pitched you things. A football player from Earth is brought to space. His name is, of course, Flash Gordon. And, you know, he he footballs his way through <laughs> sci-fi. <laughs> he wears helmets. There's a scene where he, like, grabs a ball and has to, like, tackle people and stuff. But uh, there's a great soundtrack by Queen. You know, the Flash Gordon song by Queen? Well, so the soundtrack I'm familiar with, actually. It's interesting because they also did the Highlander uh, soundtrack. So I guess they were the 80s were a little soundtrack time by them. Uh, I, I don't really know what to say about the plot. I've seen this movie many times because it was always on cable TV. It's it's one of those movies, if you were watching it, you would wonder for a moment, was this on purpose or was this a joke making fun of movies like Star Wars? And in a way, it probably was. I think they were trying to, to, to draft on that Star Wars franchise Success at the time. This is right around when the first Star Trek movie came out. And Flash Gordon was like a beloved character of of the, I, I want to say 60s, but might have even been 50s. You know, he was a comic book character in, in outer space with ray guns and aliens and Emperor Ming. Yeah. Uh, Max von Sydow plays this awesome bad guy. Uh, it definitely has its share of freaky, like, I'll never unsee that as a kid moments. There's a lot of like little horrifying <laughs> bits in it the the storyline makes some amount of sense timothy you know baby Th- timothy dalton plays this this prince character like because you know in space there are emperors and princes and whatnot right of course and do you know who topol was no topol was also i don't know if you ever saw the fiddler on the roof yeah so Topol was was that guy. So he's oh. an Israeli actor. I'm sure he did other stuff in the 70s. I think he probably did the Raid on an, an Antilles movie, uh, Antibes. But um, he was, he's, the, <laughs> I don't want to say any more about this movie because I want you to watch it so bad, though I know you probably won't. He's basically like the Jewish uncle in the movie, you know, okay. and he's got that thick Israeli accent and he's also ridiculous. But it's also so earnest and it's, the plot actually works. Like, I'm not saying it holds up as an overall story because it's so gimmicky, but at the same time, it basically works pretty well. It's not too full of holes. I think the last time I saw it was probably about a decade ago where I had some fun with it. I think my kids would groan if I made them watch it, um, but I also think it holds up in its own weird way. I, well, buddy, I love it. I mean, like, this is a generational thing for sure because, like, my Flash Gordon as a character in a movie to me is more relevant in Ted than he is in his own film. Got it. Got it. Yeah, there you go. All right. And they are apparently rebooting the Flash Gordon franchise. So Sure, why not? John Cena, everybody. <laughs> oh, he'd be perfect. Yeah. Any any yeah, he would be actually really good. Because it is your I'm pretty sure there's like an all American scene somewhere in the movie. There he is. Yeah. There he is. All right, so this one uh, I have talked about before, so I'm not going to go too far into it, but it needed to be on the list. Uh, this is October 2nd, 2015. I will give you... Let's do Kate Mara and Sean Bean. Sean Bean and Donald Glover. Was, was Donald Glover in this movie? He was. He was one of the the JPL scientists. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so this is this is The Martian. What were your five words? Uh, out of this world survivalist. Mine was never went ack, ack, ack. <laughs> ack, 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 ack. Um, all right, so... This movie's just really well done. Matt Damon was excellent. Uh, there's an absurd amount of NASA in this. Like they did a, an incredibly good job making sure that it was really real. Uh, the visuals were incredible. The sound was incredible. The um, the visual effects were really cool. I thought Jessica Chastain did a great job in in her part. I love Michael Pena and anything that he does. 
Jeff Daniels was great. I love Jeff Daniels. He's probably like a, he's a, a Mount Rushmore actor for me. I just love him. Uh, it's just, th- this is the one movie in that period of all the movies that I'm not going to mention just in case you do have them in Pong. But there was like this huge list when I went looking and basically from like 2009 to like 2018, there was a bunch of really spacey movies and I missed all of them but this one. This is the one that I saw and I happen to think very highly of this movie. Same, same. Didn't see uh, Solaris, didn't see Passengers, didn't, you know. No, there's like, there's Ad Astra, Gravity, Interstellar. There's all these movies, some of which were like Oscar noms. And I just, I learned doing this particular episode of our podcast, Jeremy, I have learned that I really am not drawn towards these. It's just not a thing that I'm like, I got to see it. I just don't apparently, because there's a bunch of really good ones. Totally didn't see. So I don't think we need to like labor the Martian. We've talked, I actually have physically talked about this movie before and like recently. So the Martian. Yeah, it's my first entry in Pong. And uh, it's funny you brought up Gravity. I did see Gravity. In fact, I saw it at some early sneak special whatever thing. Oh, cool. And I, I felt like I was the only one in the room who thought it was not a good movie. Um, oh, interesting. Everybody loves this movie. I don't. I think I don't criticize any performance. I criticize entirely the script. And, and the problem I have with this movie is, you know, I, I, I gosh, I now now that we've done, been doing this for more than a, a year and a bit, I'm starting to wonder if I did anything be, but, talked about this before but fundamentally this movie gravity suffered from the you know those sequences in movies where there's a bomb countdown and the moment you know there's a bomb countdown it's not it's under one second before when the timer will freeze yeah that's this whole movie like it there's just too many times she's a second away from losing oxygen there's a second away from the thing exploding there's a second away from losing oxygen again like you, you know you don't have to there were so many Keeping trying to keep you on it's, it's like trying to do the thriller, yeah, suspense thriller. Like when and I am about to spoil Gravity because I just going to so fifteen seconds uh, at the end when she is finally in this thing going down to Earth. I literally thought that she would end up on an island full of zombies and then have to run away from them. I'm like, <laughs> is there more or cannibals or something? It's like, what else can we put her through before we all finally let Sandra Bullock, you know, escape? Yeah, the, those movies I've always referred to as all right, we get it movies, which is like, all <laughs> yeah. right, we get it. All right, we get yeah. it. It's hard. Well, all right, we get it. We get it. Like, it, that, and there's a lot of those, by the way. The 90s were ripe for all right, we get it. Like, it's like, yeah. all right, we get it. We get it. Like, Dude, that's a category. Let's make that. <laughs> let's make that list. Okay. Yeah. I've been using that for a long time because there's a lot of, like, again, the, the late 90s, especially anything in the science fiction zombie world. Like, especially at like early 2000s after the Matrix, it was like, all right, we get it. All right. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah, there's a ton of those. All I right. love that. So if that's your first Pong entry, I'm going to go directly into mine, a couple of which have already been used. But uh, let's do 2009 Big Budget Blue People. I assume that's Avatar. You didn't see it, but yeah, Avatar. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's on the list. 1979. Must have expected more leaves there. Ooh. That's a fun thing, but I don't know. Autumn, fall? Oh, fall. Fall? Something no, fall. Close. What else? Leaves? Leaves? What do you do with leaves? Rake? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? I'm pushing, well, Moonraker. Moonraker. I have no idea what that is. It was a James Bond movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. I. Oh, wait. Is that Connery? No, no, no. Connery would never stoop. This is obvious Roger Moore because Moore. It's, one of the, it's one of the campy James Bond movies. Yeah, see, I don't uh, I'm not good with the Moore stuff. It ain't it ain't great. I'm not I'm I'm no lying, but you know, I gotta have Moonraker on my list. Yeah, totally fair. Uh let's do 2017 eye patch and oh eye patch and a haircut. Thor Ragnarok? Yeah. Nice. Uh, by the way, before I finish the rest of my Pong list, I will just say that uh there's no debate that the Best of the movies I would have put are all in my fast five. I just didn't feel like talking about them at all this time. So yeah. these are these are actually all the runner-ups in a way. That's fine. <laughs> 1984. Uh, made 26 years too early. 2001 A Space Odyssey. 2010 First Contact. Or what is it? 2010 First Contact? First Contact? I don't know. No, oh, my God. It was just 2010. It's okay. not, the year we made Contact. Gosh. Okay. Uh, I, I love this movie as a kid. I must have seen, I've seen this probably a dozen times, and I've seen the original 2001 maybe twice. 
because this does, it's like the alien to aliens thing. 2010 is sort of a fun, quick moving semi action movie. It's not great, but it, it ain't bad. What I didn't realize until going and re looking it up is that it had like Helen Mirren and Bob Balaban in it, which is Bob Balaban, cool. one of my favorite names in all movies. Bob Balaban. All right. Uh, let's do this. is My last Pong because we, you've covered some of them. Um, I was so tempted to put this in the list over the Martian, but I couldn't talk about it for more than five minutes because it's not particularly good, but it's wheelhousey. 1996, animal, monster, and also animation. 96, animal, monster, and I don't know. So the shtick was going to be that the animal and the monster is the main character and there also happens to be animated characters, and this is Space Jam, because Michael Jordan is both an animal and a monster. <laughs> uh, nice. Nice. Okay. Um, what I have two left here. So 1985, not a friend of yours. Not a friend of yours. Friend of mine? Mine? Ours? Not a friend. Enemy Mine is the movie. Never heard of it. No, this was in that list of movies I would have pitched you, but it's got Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr. being awesome. I'm into both those guys. There you go. Oh, and I have back to back. Okay, 97, Army for the Enterprise. 97, Army for the Enterprise. I really like what you're doing with your five words this week. I'm just sad that I'm not better at it. I don't know. Uh, the Enterprise is a starship. This is Starship Troopers. Yeah, I struggled with this because so <clears throat> I was going to put this in my Fast Five, actually, and I didn't uh, because I don't remember it. I know I've seen yeah, it. We, I know I liked it. I just I my memory of that movie is basically non-existent other than like, oh, I saw that. I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Right. And I had it in Pong last week also, so I just kind of wanted to move through it quickly. But uh, let's hear your Fast Five. All right. So I only have two left because we've talked about a lot of the stuff because I had uh, some of the stuff that was in your top five. So the only two that I have left are aliens and the fifth element. Okay. That's interesting. So the last, so I had fifth element as a pick for you. I actually thought it'd be higher. And then I was like, well, he's talked about it a lot. So he's probably going to bury it. The other two I thought you might put in are event horizon and pitch black. Uh, I've never seen either of those. Okay. Fair enough. My fast five are, uh, and and you'll get why all of them ended up here because none of them deserve to be down here. Aliens, yep. Interstellar, 2001, The Last Starfighter, and Armageddon. Right. So those are just all the movies that you've talked about enough that obviously would have been your top five, but wouldn't have been fun for the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Totally nailed it. Yeah. And what's funny is of those movies, so let's roll through them really quick and then I, we'll, we'll close out. But what are those movies again? So that list is Aliens. Okay. I've seen it. Yeah. Inter- uh, Interstellar, I don't think you have seen that. Haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's questionable to even be on my final list, to be honest. I, I enjoyed it, but it was one of those, like, there's just too many big holes. But yeah, there's so okay. many great concepts. Like, it is a brilliant concept, but just doesn't sort of tie together as well as I'd like. Okay. 2001? Didn't. I, I've seen that once so long ago, I couldn't tell you a single thing about that movie. Uh, you know, the no, genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last Starfighter? Haven't seen it. You'd like it. And you would definitely like it. And uh, Armageddon. Right. I've seen it once and I hated it. So, right. yeah. Okay. Just, <laughs> just wrong. No problem. The, by the way, since we have a, a second, the last one that I almost threw in here, I don't know if you remember this one at all. I don't know if you've even seen it. Did you ever see Titan AE? Uh, so, here's the thing. Yes. And in the list of seeing things, I went, oh, I think I really liked that movie. And I couldn't remember it to save my life. So, I just left it off. So I don't really remember. I, I remember. I do. I know I liked it, but I don't remember much about what it was about. Same so thing. it was going to be my last Fast Five, but I couldn't cut any of the others. So there you go. All right, friend. Uh, you get to pick next week's. What are we doing next week, Jer? Well, you know, there's this thing going on in Tokyo right about now, and there's a lot of people like. Doing, there's a lot of sports balling mm, yeah. and running up the stairs and yep. jumping through things and falling off things. Yep. And they're all coordinated, like in planned ways. Mm, interesting. Sounds fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, people love them some sports. They do. Love the sports. And in the theme of people loving sports, I think what we should do next week is the top five fictional sports. <laughs> In movies. And and I'll allow to extend the games as well, because I have a hunch there's not going to be as much to work with as we as we might like. 
But we don't know. So if you need if you need to fill out the list, you can go with fictional games too. I think there might be more than you think, but this is a great category. <laughs> so top five movies with fictional sports. Uh, that's a phenomenal category, Jeremy. I can't wait for it. What's not fictional is how much fun this was and how much we appreciate you all being here. Uh, please do follow us on the Twitters, on the Instagrams, um, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Lo-Fi Top Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Seven. Sing countdown engines on three two check ignition and may God's love be with you.